Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's a.k.a. Radio Red. Radio Red in the house, a little delay there, technical, what can I tell you? First time ever Read My Lips is broadcasting live stream on my LinkedIn channel. You used to see me on a different show. Well, we're bringing you my show about creativity, and my name today is AKA Radio Red. So get over it, and we're also live on Facebook. To my three panelists, please just wave hello to our live stream audience. And, of course, we are live broadcasting on the Voice America Empowerment Channel, because that's what we hope to do. This is a show about creativity. It's not just singers and dancers and artists and photographers and playwrights. This is everybody is one of my creatives, if you allow me to call you that. It's how you create your life, how you decided what kind of education you're going to give. Even if somebody else was telling you what to do, you had to do it. Where do you travel? How did you pick a house, a place to go? How did you raise your kids or decide not to have kids? How do you answer the phone? How do you eat your cereal in the morning? It's all about creativity. So I have three wonderful creatives today, and I meet about 99.9%. I don't know what happened to that point one at the National Publicity Summit. I go four times a year presented by Bradley Communications, and that's where I meet my creatives and invite them on the show. So before we do anything, and by the way, today is it is President's Day here in the U.S., February 20th. It's 2023. Oh, my, where is the year going? I want to make sure we do a quick shout out to my three guests. Those of you who heard the show, even if you haven't, I want you to put up your hand in an L shape here. And on the count of three, we're going to say hello, L. L L. Here we go. One, two, three. Hello. L L L. Josh, my engineer. Every week, I think it's the best. I think these three have outdone. Just <laughs> wonderful. Absolutely. That's LLL is lovely, lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener. And she lives in Whitestone, Terry. And that doesn't start with an L. So I've been trying to take up a fake GoFundMe, just a fake one. Nobody's getting any money here uh, to move her to, to London. And she said it was too warm there last summer. And so I picked Larchmont and she said that wasn't classy enough. Sorry, Larchmont people. <laughs> so I'm trying to find a place with L somewhere near New York that we can move her to if she's willing. So it'll be lovely, lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener from L something. So we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll take a poll someday. This is the 51st day of the Gregorian calendar. There are 314 days left, and this is the eighth Monday. Nobody cares about that except me. But I always say one of the most creative people we can think of is Gregorian because we're still using his calendar for the first time ever. Betsy, this is going to amaze you. I looked up the calendar. And the history is Gregorian calendar used in most parts of the world was introduced in October 1582. So let's do the math. It's a while by Pope Gregory the 13th as a modification of and replacement for the Julian calendar. He spaced the leap years differently from the Julian. So it marks is similar to the average year calendar 365.2425. Monique, I want you to remember that. 365.2524 days long closer to the tropical or solar calendar determined by the Earth's revolution around the sun. Both calendars have 12 months. 28 to 31 days, a year is 365, and you add one day to February in leap years, and Gregorian did it a little differently. So thank you very much, Greg. I call him Gregor. 
Grego, Greggy, whatever his mommy called him. He was one of my original creatives. We are now in the sign, zodiac sign of Pisces. February 19th started yesterday to March 20th. Water sign, last sign of the, I didn't know that's the last constellation of the zodiac. Two fish swimming in opposite directions, representing constant division of attention. They are emotionally sensitive, gracious, creative, imaginative, emotionally aware, sympathetic. They'll go to great lengths to ensure the happiness of those around them. Tell me, panel, aren't you all gracious and sensitive and creative and imaginative? What do you think? I haven't even introduced you yet. Just raise your hand if you think you you hit most of those. Terry, Betsy, gracious, caring about people around you, imaginative, especially creative. I keep hitting my microphone here. So there you go. So let me tell you who my three special guests are today, and they are very special, and I can't wait to talk to them. So first up, we have Dr. Terry Zachary. Just wave hello, Terry. You'll introduce yourself in a minute. He's a former professional golfer, and he holds the Guinness Book of World Records record for the most holes of golf played in 12 hours. The number was 391. I'm so honored to know you, Dr. Terry Zachary. And he's a sports chiropractor, and he specializes in hand exercise and grip strength training. And he will tell you more in just a minute. So, Terry, I love the red and white jersey you're wearing. Thank you very much for being in the spirit of Radio Red. I appreciate that. Then we have Dr. Betsy Holmberg. Betsy, wave hello. Love the red jacket. Monique, I still love you, even though you're wearing blue. (laughs) Betsy is an award-winning psychologist, and this is interesting. She's a negative self-talk expert. I'm assuming she helps us not talk negative to ourselves. We'll hear about that in a minute. She previously ran Impressive, the Global Behavioral Health Service Line at McKenzie & Company Consultants. That's a big deal. And she worked at Harvard University, and that's a big deal. Betsy, I met you at the summit so happy to have you on. Thank you. It's Love so the, great to be here. Thank, thank you. Thank you, dear. Love the smile. Monique Verport. I'm so happy to have you, Monique. Monique can't decide what she wants to do. She's a registered social worker. She's a trainer. She's an author. And she's a certified practitioner in emotional. I'm, I'm teasing you, Monique. Monique does a lot of wonderful things. She is creative. Her book is, Is This All There Is? Living a Life Beyond Obligation. Hmm. Very interesting. You're going to tell us about that. She's a certified practitioner, as I said, in EFT, that's Emotional Freedom Techniques, and she will tell us what that is. So I'm calling this episode today, Read My Lips, Hands-On Creativity. Dr. Terry Zachary, a little bit of a nod to you and what you do. I try to pick a theme from one or more of my guests each week because I'm running out of words to describe creativity because I've been doing this show for so long. So I look for something in my guests and I pick that because you're on my first first on the list today. So welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm AKA Radio Red. Happy to be here. I did my hair differently and I'm looking at myself on Zoom and saying, who is she? I kind of like it. So I, I feel like I'm talking to this stranger. Anyway, Let's get started. And a shout out, of course, to my engineer, Josh, who is a, he said he's a microphone nerd. Josh is so particular and so careful on getting my guests to sound the best you possibly can be. Everybody say thank you, Josh, on the count of three. One, two, three. Thank Thank you, you, Josh. Yeah, Josh deserves that. He really does. He works hard. So let's go around the table. Time for bios. Take about three minutes. I know you could talk for 15 or 20 or an hour because you're all so accomplished and so wonderful and so creative. But let's keep it to three minutes. The high level overview. Dr. Terry Zachary, I'm putting you on speaker views. Everybody can see you in that jersey. Oh, and your book is Great Hands, Great Life. I don't think I have a copy. You're going to send me a PDF, please. I'll send, I'll send you a copy out, Radio Red, by all means. I would appreciate that. Terry, tell us who you are. Talk. Well, First of all, my name is Dr. Terry Zachary for LLL. I'm from Langley, 
BC, Canada, not close to New York, mind you. So I don't think she's you're going to be able to adapt that city. Uh, so yeah, as you introduced, uh, as you introduced me, I'm a sports chiropractor by trade, but I had a deep love of golf from an early age. I can't believe that I, I didn't even know that the world record thing was on there, but it was something I was ashamed of earlier in my career because I wanted to be known as a golfer, not a world record holder. But now that I'm a little older, I'm quite proud of it. But uh, what happened was with in my life, uh, I was practicing chiropractic, about half sports chiropractic, about half family chiropractic, and uh, enjoying it. And practice was good. Everything was good. And I was also competing in this area of Vancouver, Canada, which is kind of the hot spot in, in uh, Canada for golf because it's the only warm place really throughout the year. Uh, and I was doing pretty well on the side. And I had this, uh, as we're talking about through creativity, I'm a big believer uh, in intuition. And I just had this real calling through college to, to take a run at professional golf. And so I did. I took some time off practice, took three years off of, off of practice and made a run at professional golf. And uh, in case nobody recognizes me, it's because I did not make the PGA Tour. But but just by following all those things that I really believed in, uh, I saw just dozens and dozens of injuries on in professional golfers. And I ended up becoming basically a world-renowned hand, wrist, forearm, and elbow expert because I saw a lot of flaws in the ways that people looked at hand exercise, especially professional golfers. And then I saw it all out, all throughout. That's what I'm doing a lot nowadays. I wrote a book about it, which is The Great Hands, Great Life. And uh, we're just helping people all over the world with uh, finger, thumb, hand, wrist, carpal tunnel, elbow problems, and getting the train right. So I don't know if that's anywhere close to three minutes, but... Um, it's perfect. I, uh, yeah, it was really, really enjoyable where I, where I landed. I really enjoy it. Why were you ashamed of your, of your record? Why? You know, back then, what I wanted to be known as, I was a good player and I was a good college player. Uh, I wanted to be known for, uh, I didn't want to be known for anything, but it was kind of kind of a gimmick we did at the time. But it was with uh, about the, the thing I was proud of is it, it was done by about with about nine other members. And it was mm -hmm. a big group thing where we raised money for a charity and uh -huh. it ended up turning out to be a small thing. And then by the end of the day, the whole city was basically at the golf course when we got close to the world record and it was being announced on local radio. And it turned out to be just a really, really, really fun event. Uh, and especially as I get older, I look back and going like, it was really fun. Terry, and when I read that in your bio, it didn't say it was part of a fundraiser, part of a charity. It was a That's community fun. event. That makes it even more special. That makes it even more valuable. It wasn't just, oh, I'm Terry Zachary, and I'm going to play more holes of golf in 24 hours than anybody ever in, in the world. I'm going to. It wasn't just you saying, look at me. It was you being part of something. Do me a favor. Update that in your bio. That's important. That's something yep. that speaks volumes about you. And about the event, rather than just I made the Guinness Book. I, I like you even better now. <laughs> well, you know, what, but it did, and that's what I that's what I fondly look back on. In, in yeah. hindsight, is all the people that we did that with, and and when I'm around that group, uh, still, that's I mean, that's many years ago. Uh, they still talk about it all the time, and it's it's fun to reminisce. Absolutely, and I, I will bet. put it in my bio because it I is mean, interesting to me now. It is and to it, others. It, it's interesting to us. It's interesting to me as the as the person who's asking you about your creativity. So thank you very much. Let's move around the table. Dr. Betsy Holmberg, so happy to have you. It's your turn. Let's rock that red jacket. Go ahead. Tell us more about who you are. Betsy, welcome. 
Oh, thanks so much. Hi, great to be here with you guys. So me in a nutshell, I start out very dorky and I pretty much spend my entire childhood reading. And this extended into, you know, high school and then college. And then I thought the my coolest possible thing would be to write a super long paper about a topic and like go so deep in it that I could be an expert in it. And so the one place where you get to do that is a doctoral program. So I was like, yes, that's what I want to do. So I went and did a PhD program and had an awesome time doing that. Um, and then translated it into going into the business world. But then I had a really hard time. I went through a divorce and my husband left me and I became the queen of negative self-talk. Like it just kept going and going and going. And so I thought, if I am going to heal myself from this, what am I going to do? I'm going to go back to my roots and I'm going to go back and research what is going on in my brain. And so that's how I became a negative self-talk expert. So I'm an expert, not only because I've done it, but also I now know the neurology of why we do it. And so, and it's changed my life forever. So I'm in the process of writing a book on it and I'm so excited to you know, share the message broadly so that we can help other people with their negative self-talk. Betsy, thank you. And Betsy, could you give us one little tip on how you change that negative self-talk? Just just for the listeners, for the viewers, just right off the top. Any What would be one of the keys to, first of all, I guess you have to acknowledge and recognize that you're doing it and saying, look what I'm doing to myself. But any is there a, a top tip on how to handle that? You yeah, the top tip is that when you're talking negatively, it's actually a survival system and it's automatic in your brain and it thinks it's keeping you safe. And so the one thing to do to stop it is to focus on something else. And it could be focusing on your breath. It could be focusing on trashy television. It does not matter. (laughs) But if you focus somewhere else, you can turn off that automatic primitive voice. Thank you. Automatic primitive survival. A lot of key words in there. Thank you, Betsy. Very interesting. I will look forward to hearing more from you. And let's make one more stop around the table. Monique Verport. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, dear. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Monique, you're not wearing red, but I'll forget. This is actually red. This is sparkly, but it looks looks dark here. But I have my red microphone and my flower. Monique. Welcome. So happy to have you on the show. I met you at the Publicity Summit as well. I know you're very eager to come on tonight. So let's hear it. Who is Monique? Go ahead. Who am I? Well, I'm Monique (laughs) Report. And uh, I guess the way I would define myself really is somebody that is very interested in um, self-love and self-acceptance and knowing that a lot of us uh, really don't have are always that forgiving of ourselves, right? We're forgiving of other people at best. But often, you know, we kind of uh, forget about ourselves. So uh, this sort of drive uh, that I've had from a very young age was, you know, how can I get into a profession that actually can help people work through some of these issues? So the thoughts, uh, you know, that's very interesting because that's very much what I'm, you know, consumed by as well. Uh, but how can people have a greater sense of joy in their life and a greater uh, acceptance of who they are so they're not mired in this mm-hmm. negative identity that they that they you know believe they themselves to be and how how can we shift that and so um, that kind of was part of the impetus of kind of getting into sort of the area of social work. Um, I also experienced a lot myself from a personal level. I really struggled with sort of these issues myself and you know you teach what you most need to learn, right? So uh, this was something, my quest. And and I just 
uh, sort of stumbled upon, uh, you know, this sort of emotional freedom techniques through through happenstance, right? Happenstance. And uh, I started, I was really intrigued by it, how something like, uh, you know, tapping on one's face and upper torso on these acupoints or acupuncture without needles, how that can make such a significant shift in how we view ourselves and how it can work through those beliefs that really sabotage our joy and actually make space to transform those into something much more positive and, and create. This is the thing. It's hands-on creation at its best. How to kind of create this persona of who it is that you really are and that is, is reflected into the world um, you know, more, more accurately rather than sort of living from this place of fear and, and working out of that. So that is sort of the story of how the tapping thing came to be. And actually that, that really is the passion point that I, that I try to explain to people in my book in terms of how it is not just a stress reduction tool, but how it can actually really, really change your experience of who you are. And the experience that that shift in, in, in identity impacts how you show up in the world and the choices you make and the possibilities that are available to you because you're coming at, at these things from, from a different vantage point. So that's sort of the long and short of it. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Creating the persona. Who do you want people to see you as? But more important, how do we want to be happy with who we are? Isn't that the key, really? Betsy, you talked about that, too, that negative talk. Get get that out of town. Just, yeah. And people know when you're joyful. It doesn't, I'll tell you this now. I usually tell my guests this after the show Monday night, no matter what my Monday was like. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're a little more difficult than others. I come on this radio show and I talk to three smart people like the three of you who are creative and savvy and you're doing something it seems that you really love, you believe in, and you're presenting yourself to the world. You're here talking about yourself and it's good, okay? You're there in your, that point in your life. And I get so happy just talking to my creatives every Monday night. No matter what the day was like, it becomes a completely different day when I do this show. It impacts me. It feeds back into me, my soul. Uh, and not a particularly spiritual person, but I want to say thank you for, for the introduction, the three of you. I'm going to move on before I get all tearful. I think I cried on last week's show. I was so happy. So let's go on. This is a part of the show where I've asked my guests to send me a fictional character quote from a movie or a TV show or a song lyric that doesn't have the word creativity in it. Come on, what quote does? I don't think there are too many. And they're going to explain what it has to do with their version of creativity. So we have a quote from Dr. Terry Zachary. I love this. He picked a quote from Ty Webb, the son of Bushwood Country Club founder who also runs a lumber, lumber mill played by Chevy Chase. Speaking to Carl Spackler, the greenskeeper played by Bill Murray, the movie is Caddyshack. 1980 American sports comedy film. And the line is, we have a pool and a pond. Pond would be good for you. Terry, talk to me. How'd you find this? Well, you know, I love I love a whole bunch of quotes in the movie. I'm going to sound like I'm a, just a kind of a one interest person with golf, but I, but I am interested in a whole bunch of other things. But that line is always interesting to me because we all perceive ourselves to be so different in our in our world and we're really not that much different but how do we come to you know come together to some extent and and golf particularly and it's it's shown in that movie in Caddyshack 
is particularly where you get some, you know, socioeconomical high end and low end, and you've got the, you know, the club member and you get the, you know, assistant greenskeeper there. And how do you somehow get them together and get them to communicate? And I always think creative comedy is, is one of those ways where uh, it can bring people together. If not, we're going to stay separated all the time. And the other thing I like about that line in particular is that is the show is generally ad libbed when they when they did a lot of uh, filming of that movie, and I felt like uh, you know they have it in them just naturally to go where their instincts take them, and that always interests me because uh, like again, in a lot of the creativity that ever came out of me, which can, continues to be fairly consistent, is based out of me just forgetting about myself and your titles and your little borders and stuff like that and just mm-hmm. going where your intuition takes you and yes we're going to have our talents we're going to you know I'm going to be designed to be better at certain things than than even my other guests and etc cetera, etc cetera. and then as long as we're all have the freedom and uh the you know the uh the belief in ourselves and in our in our intuition to go that way I think that's where all creativity kind of goes but I love comedy when it when it brings people together in a way that they can blend and at least start to communicate. Thank you very much. I did stand up years ago, Terry. I had my own little troupe. I won't tell you the name now because it's my other name, but I'll I'll tell you later. And we did libraries and bookstores and we had a I had a blast. We just had a blast. But at that time the thought was that comedy is holding up the mirror a reality check to who we are and letting us talk about the the good and the not so good, the pain and the not so pain and and looking at life through a lens of can't we just laugh for a change? But there's a a truth telling, there's a mirror holding up to comedy. So I like what you said about that. I want to give a little more background around the movie and I'll get to you in a second, uh, Betsy, but the movie uh, starred Chevy Chase, Rodney Dangerfield, Ted Knight, Michael O'Keefe, Bill Murray, Sarah Holcomb, Cindy Morgan and Doyle Murray. But it boosted Rodney Dangerfield's career. He was a former stand-up. The yeah, movie was the 17th highest gross of the year. It made $40 million at the time. This is 1980. It became a cult movie, cult following. And somebody at ESPN said it was perhaps the funniest sports movie ever made. Look back to 1980, Terry. So they reprised it with Caddyshack 2 in 1988. Only Chevy Chase reprised his role, and it did not do very well at the box office. not very good at all. Nobody liked it. So there you go. Thank you very much. Betsy, I'm moving on. You picked a song by Leonard Cohen. This is 1992. The song is Anthem. The album is The Future. Leonard Norman Cohen, CCGOQ, 1934 to 2016. I can say left us too soon. Canadian singer, songwriter, poet, novelist. He explored the themes of religion and politics, isolation, depression, sexuality, loss, death, and romantic relationships. He was inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame, the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, He received Canada's highest civilian honor, the Companion of the Order of Canada. And in 2011, he received one of the Prince of Austria's Awards for Literature and the ninth Glenn Gould Prize. I'm not sure what that all is. But anyway, uh, his uh, somebody named Ben Hewitt wrote about Leonard Cohen in Pitchfork. And he said, listen up. He said, Leonard Cohen's crumbs would be most people's banquets. Isn't that beautiful? Mm. Here's the quote 
Betsy has picked from the great Lord. By the way, his most well-known, his best-known song, of course, was Hallelujah. That was his, uh, released on his seventh album, Various Positions, 1984. That's the one everybody remembers. And when I first heard him, I said, why is this guy talking? Doesn't he sing? I didn't get it at first. And then I got it. And then I understood. So here's the line. Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack, a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. <sighs> Oh, Betsy, rescue me, please. Go ahead. How'd you find this one? It's beautiful. What does this have to do with your creativity? Go ahead. So I found this one in in his work. And then I, it came back to me in a Louise Penny book. She does such an amazing job. She writes these mysteries that happen in this beautiful town in Canada. And she talks a lot about the food. She just brings you right there. So there's so much fun. So if you're interested in a good read, check out Louise Penny. But the concept of it is that it is so easy for us to follow the road well-traveled and to do what everyone says we need to do and, you know, and to follow the footsteps. But when we get creative is when everything goes to hell and we, we don't know what to do anymore because we've never seen anyone in that position. And then suddenly we have to figure out, how am I going to get myself out of this? And so I just looking at my life, the most creative times have been when I haven't seen a road ahead and it, it's really hurting. And then I find something really cool out of it. And to me, that's the light. That's the crack. And I think he did a beautiful job capturing that. And that's why his crumbs are other people's banquets, right? Totally. Right there. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That's a beautiful line. Holding up that mirror, right, Terry? That's what comedy does. That's what songs do. They hold up that mirror and say, yeah, the light came in. Yeah, I'm going to go toward the light. Very interesting. Betsy, thank you so much. Let's go to Monique. Monique has picked a funny line from the movie is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, 1987. We're going back in time here. American comedy film Del Griffith is a shower curtain ring salesman played by the one and only John Candy. And he's talking to a state trooper played by Laverne and Shirley's Michael McKean, uh, written and directed and produced by John Yu. Steve Martin was in it. John, Cannon, John Candy, blah, 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 blah. A high-strung marketing executive played by Steve Martin, Neil Page, and a good-hearted but annoying shower curtain ring salesman, Dell, become travel companions when their flight is diverted. They share a three-day odyssey of misadventures trying to get Neil home to Chicago to have Thanksgiving dinner with his family that was filmed in 85 days. You might get a kick out of this, Monique. Uh, John Hughes rewrote the screenplay. He rewrote it so long that it was going to run three hours and 45 minutes on the first take. He put stuff in that wasn't even there. It was so successful in the box office. The budget was $15 million. It took in $49 million. That's how successful it was. So they're in this incredibly bad car and the cop pulls them over and he says, where the, where the hell are you driving here? And he says to John Candy's character, Dell, do you feel this vehicle is safe for highway travel? And the answer is, I know it's not pretty to look at, but it'll get you where you want to go. I have the whole scene here, but I don't want to take the time to read it. Monique. <laughs> What does this have to do with your creativity? I think I know, but go ahead. <laughs> well, you know, first of all, uh, I think that's one of the funniest movies ever, which is why I wanted to select it because it just makes me laugh every time I watch it. But in terms of that, uh, that line, I, you know, there, there's two things about it that really talk to me. First of all, you know, just being in this beat up car, it's, it's a burnt shell, the speedometer's melting, 
Uh, it's like totally not roadworthy. And just that justification, you know, from Delgrave, yes, yes, you know, I know it's not pretty, it'll get you where you want to go. So, you know, part of that to me speaks to, you know, often we have these creative rationalizations that, you know, we'll do something, maybe we know it's not in our best interest, but we can always find some kind of rational rationalization for doing it. So if I've had a really hard day, and I, at the end of the day, I'm like binging on a pack of cookies, I can always say, well, you know what, I had a hard day, I deserve this. So, you know, a part of me knows, okay, this is probably not the way to go with it. But, you know, why not? So, so part of it sort of spoke to me to that kind of uh, that denial piece. But the other part of it, too, is that, uh, for me, it's really funny because in Del Griffith's mind, you know, he has a place to go. He's got to get to Chicago with Neil Page right, for Thanksgiving. And so regardless of sort of the beat up state of his car, um, it's kind of, you know, putting that aside and really going for it, uh, you know, regardless of sort of what's there. So it's a, it, it could be viewed as a barrier, but uh, he doesn't see it that way, or at least he's not speaking it, that that's the issue. So uh, whether he knows it or not, it just kind of spoke to me at both those levels. So I thought it was very creative in terms of his response and creative, you know, how we can apply it. I can apply it to my own life as well. When things don't look that great, you know, I can still kind of work and, and get through that and just go for it. So um so very kind of wise. And thank I think you. Yeah. We can still be the functional shell of the car, even if all the, the bells, even the mirror and everything else is missing. And the radio is the only thing that works. By the way, it was a Chrysler LeBaron, which <laughs> was a very interesting car. And it wasn't it very elegant when, when it was in its full shape. The LeBaron was was not a uh, not a little teeny box. It wasn't a, yeah, it was a nice car. So that made it even more interesting. Thank you all for doing the work and picking such interesting quotes. I appreciate what you all three brought to the show. Thank you. Now here's a surprise. I'm going to go through your creativity statements. You each sent me four. I'm gonna pick one or two from each of you. It's not a pop quiz, don't worry. I will read it. I've already picked one from you, Terry. I'll read it. You don't have to look for it. I'll read it in full. And then just take a couple minutes, two, three minutes and expand it for me and tell us more. So I like statement number one. I'm going to read statement number four, but you're not going to talk about it because other guests on the show have said the same thing. I just want to read it because it, there's a commonality. Terry, Terry says, I'm created by trusting the thoughts and messages that come to me in the middle of the night and in the shower. I think we've all had that experience. That voice is saying, do that water feels good. Do that soap smells good. Yeah, I think I'll start a radio show when I get out of the show. Okay, that's fine. But the one I'm interested in, Terry, and thank you for that, is your first statement. You say, I am creative by removing fear of judgment from my life. Removing fear of judgment. Terry, take a couple minutes and tell us what this means to you, please. I like it. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it, you know, a lot happened to me, uh, you know, not to get too in depth about things, but there was a, in my, even in my family, there was one side of my family, which my mom and dad ended up being divorced when we were young and it wasn't a bad thing. My dad was a great guy, my mom was amazing. But we went to one side of the family that was kind of like anything you did, anything you decided to do. Even when I quit practice for a while and went and played golf, they were like, well, you know, good luck with that golf. And, you know, if that's what you feel like you want to do. And then there was the other side that was a little bit more like, what? You know, something's going to go wrong if you do it. So from an early age, I kind of had that when I went to, when I was deciding what I want to do for a living and I went to chiropractic school, they talk a lot about, uh, a lot about health not being the body needs something, but it's about the body needs no interference. 
And we always talk a lot about uh, health being no interference rather than we need to add this and this and this. Yes, we have to agree with, you know, eating the right foods and all this stuff and, you know, exercise and sleep and whatnot. But that's one of the things that I take, I've always taken from that is that fear is one of those things that, you know, interference, but just fear getting in the way of who we might be. And if you, if you're scared of everything and you don't believe deep down, you know, in your design is for a purpose and I'm supposed to do, I'm good at this and I'm good at that. And let's go that direction. And I find that that's the thing that just opens up everything towards for me myself, but also then, you know, once you get creative, you offer other things for other people. And uh, it's always been, if I'm feeling fear, I really sit down and think about that. And especially when I was on the golf course, if you're thinking about fear, like, like our other guests are talking about, if, if fear is in any way or negativity is in any way in your mind, your mind is focused on something it's not supposed to be focused on. And, and when you go through golf at the level that I was at and higher, obviously, uh, it's something where, you know, don't hit it in the trees, you know, that brings into the mind the problem, which is the trees, and it makes everything more difficult. Life is very similar that way. And once it's like aim to that, aim towards that part of the fairway with your life, it just seems like things work out and, and answers come to you and creativity comes to you. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. And oddly enough, or maybe not oddly enough, what you just mentioned, Terry, is a perfect segue for what I'm going to read from you, Betsy. And I think you know where I'm going. I'm looking <laughs> at creativity statement number two. I have never had a guest say anything like this before, Betsy. So I'm going to read this just a little bit. It's long. She says, creativity is the sixth food group. When we're going through the motions, even those motions, if those motions are eating right, exercising, getting good sleep, Terry, you talked about that, we can still feel exhausted. Creativity is the other invisible energy source that fuels us. I've never heard it put that way. Betsy, take a couple minutes. Please expand for me. I love it. Yeah. So I just, there are so many people that are living lives. And also we have all done this in different stages of our life where we are going through the motions and it could be something that someone else's complete and utter passion. But for us, it's just not connecting. And, you know, we get exhausted and we get low and we don't feel like doing it. We feel like sitting on our couch and just, you know, watching TV. And it's, it's seeing that, oh, I've lost that energy from that source of creativity. And I need to shift this up and get back to something that fuels me. And it's like how you talk about, you know, hanging out with everyone on Monday night, like whatever that thing is, is that it's creative. That's the energy that gets us to work 14 hour days that gets us to not feel like we need to eat lunch. I mean, it just is energy in a way that you can't get anywhere else. Thank you very much. I don't think I'll ever forget that. The sixth food. I thought chocolate was the sixth food. <laughs> okay, maybe we should call it the seventh. <laughs> That's my lucky number. We'll go with seven, but thank you very much. Great. I appreciate that. Thank you, Betsy. And let's go to one from Monique. Monique, I like your statement number four. I'll read it. You say, using a multi-sensory approach through creative visualization to imagine what I want my optimal experience to be. Imagining bird songs and cool breezes makes me want to go for a forest walk. Thinking about a lake on a hot day makes me want to swim. Imagining my hugging my child results in a visit. So how does this fuel your creativity? Monique, go ahead. Well, 
you know, those were some examples that are, are pretty concrete. And I would like to expand that even further. When I talked earlier about a persona and creating the person you want to be, I, uh, you know, came up with something that I was, you know, heavily influenced by somebody called Debbie Ford. You may be familiar with her. She, she was talking about sort of the different parts of our personality. And she talked about giving uh, these parts certain names. And so I had started, you know, this was 25 years ago. And, and uh, you know, a, a few years back, I thought there are parts of myself, and you can carry this on to anybody, but there are parts of myself that I would like to develop more. Mm -hmm. Because I noticed in a number of situations, you know, with, with my work and everything, that when I, I was at one point very miserable, I was doing a job, it was there was a lot of responsibility and I just, I, it, it made me stand still and go, okay, what's, what's going on here? What's going, what's happening? And I started to look at the different parts and I, I could actually name like serious Susan, conscientious Carol, intense Isa. <laughs> and these were parts of myself that were just um, creating misery for me because I was so uh, in the doing mode. I have to do this, I have to do it right. I have to do it perfectly. I have no time for fun. You know, all these kind of things. And then I said, what parts of myself do I want to develop? So I, I, I found it a very creative process to start looking at things like, you know, fun Frida, confident Camille, mighty Monique. <laughs> and what would that look like in developing those aspects of myself in terms of, you know, having fun Frida, some, you know, uh, loosening up, um, looking out for things that would bring me joy, like watching planes, trains and automobiles again, or you know, uh, just going out to have a fun time, like creating space in my life to develop those aspects of myself. So, um, and that kind of ties in with those examples is like, how do I want to feel? I want to be, I want to be joyful. You know, what does that look like? I want to be laughing. I want to, you know, find pleasure in nature. I want to, you know, stop and smell the roses. Right? Uh, so, you know, looking at sort of those characteristics and developing that. So, for me, that was a creative process in and of itself, just trying to get there. <laughs> I like that. It, it sounds a little familiar, but I can't remember where I heard something similar. But I like the idea of fun Frida or fun whoever it would be, uh, fun Felicia or, uh, you know, a boisterous, boisterous Barbie or something like that. I like the idea. Terry, do you have a, an alternate persona you'd like to create to add something to your life? I'm gonna, I'm just gonna spring this on you, Betsy. You can think about one. Who, who would yours, your alternate creative persona be, Terry? Man, I, I, I've it. actually been pretty free in my life. Right now, we've got uh, a, a growing family, and I'm coaching two uh, sports teams and kind of running a business. I think. Uh, I don't know if I've lost the fun. I don't think my kids would say I've lost the fun like around the house, but probably even, uh, I guess a little bit, I don't know if I'm not fun, but a little bit more fun Frida, but at the same time. Uh, fun Freddy. It's got to be fun, fun Freddy. I guess I got to be a, yeah, fun Freddy. Thank you for the correction. <laughs> I'm sorry. You, you could be whoever well, you want. That's okay. I'm glad you caught me on that one. Uh, but yeah, fun Freddy, although you know what? I'm, but you I, are. I, I have fun in my own way nowadays. It's just a different type of fun. And, and, but I do know, I do know what we're, what the subject we're speaking about, because I think, you know, for a long time, we do get really serious. We have to, but sometimes you have to put one on hold for the other to some extent in your life, depending on what, what your demands are in your life. And, and often that imbalance will come calling, you know, and it'll say, uh, Hey, don't forget about, you know, this is serious and you've had to do the work and you've put in the work now and you've broken through and you've, 
you've yep. done what you've done and that, that was needed. And now let's get balance and let's get fun Freddie back in a little bit there. And there you go. You'll there get you fun Freddie back in there a little bit. Betsy, do you want to create a persona? Somebody you like to add to your life or somebody who's prominent that you want to talk about for a minute here? Yeah. So I have a fun Frida because I live with a seven-year-old. So it's a lot of poop jokes. It's a lot of silliness. So fun Frida is always around. But um, what I would like to add is show like a show pony Sherry or something, because I am a wild introvert. And this whole concept of getting out and doing these things and having them all be permanent utterly freaks me out. And so I would love to have a persona that would be totally confident doing that. And so I'm kind of stepping in out of my comfort zone to do this, but I think the message is worth it. So I'm going for it, but it's so scary. (laughs) Monique, see what you started in mind would be permission to watch TV at night, because now that the network shows are back after the holiday, instead of saying, oh, damn, I wasted an evening. No, I didn't. I got to watch the characters in the shows I enjoy. If something was too terribly murderous or scary, the couple of home invasion detective shows I watched that scared the bejesus out of me, excuse my French there. And uh, I couldn't watch them. I just turned them off because I live alone and I need motion sensor. Like, oh, my back porch, I put them in yet. So I, I had to turn that one off because it was scaring me. But I think I would create um, Telly Talia, Monique, and I would say, okay, Telly Talia, we know on Monday nights there's going to be a couple of new NCIS shows, and we want to watch those. Or Thursday, it would be, um, um, it would be uh, poker. There's a new show on um, Peacock called Poker Face about a woman who can tell if someone's mm-hmm. lying. And in, she's fleeing from, I won't, won't give it away. She's fleeing from somebody who wants to kill her, basically, because she, she witnessed something happen in a casino where she was working. And she wins a hell of a lot of money at cards because she can tell when people, mm. you get it, the poker face. So she's a different location in a menial job, like running a merry-go-round or running a, a, you know, a, a food hop back and forth to cars from a, from a cafe, wh- whatever. She's always or running a, a ride at a kid's amusement park, something like that. And she always witnesses something happen and she knows right to the person's face, you're lying. And then she solves the murder. It is always a murder. But anyway, I want that's on Peacock and it's on Thursday. So I need to decide if it's, if it's a telly Talia, on Thursdays, maybe it's Thursday, Talia. That would be it, Monique. I give myself permission because a new show drops. I bought Peacock subscription just to watch the show. But I'll tell you, Night Court is on. They've rebooted mm-hmm. Night Court. And I never watched much of the original. But do you all remember um, Howard Wallowitz's wife, Bernadette, on The Big Bang Theory? Remember she talked with a little tiny voice and the mother used to say, Howard! Well, this was his wife, Bernadette, who had a very squeaky little voice. She's a judge on the new night court. And they brought back John Larroquette as a district, as a, a defense attorney. And she gets him to come back and he's on the show. And if you watch a couple episodes, it's out, but she plays a judge. Mm-hmm. A judge. Bernadette, uh, her name is Melissa Roush and she's a judge, but it's very, very fun. So that's on Peacock, so that makes it worth the Okay, let's go on. Uh, I want to do, I, I have some couple things I want to do, some famous birthdays, some not some famous people with interesting birthdays in social media, but I want to hit one more statement, Terry, from you, just two minutes. You mm. say, I am creative by questioning everything and realizing how many concepts are kept in pretend boxes. Who puts the boxes there? How pretend are they? Are they boxes? Terry, two minutes, go. 
Oh, yeah, from my experience, I, I don't know if they're put there on purpose all the time. I think sometimes they are for, you know, for kind of control. If you want to buy these jeans, you're going to have to think you're not blah, 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 fill in the blanks. But my experience was more about, mine's a little bit more direct uh, about the body. Even when we started work with these hand injuries, it was like, well, here's what the textbooks say. And it's this and it's that and it's this and it's that. And it seemed like everybody I saw did the same thing. They did this you know, the squeeze something, squeeze something, squeeze something, and they would end up, end up in a chiropractic office or a sport, some kind of a therapist office, and there'd be a problem. And if I would have stayed in that little box there, and if I would have not looked and just been open to say, well, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. I wouldn't have got anywhere with this problem. And I wouldn't have been able to help people. And that's, that's, I think where I was going with that is a lot of things are looked at, and we just accept them. I think we have to question things not be not be cynical overly cynical but stop and question and if you're if it's in your area of expertise stop and question it and if it checks out it checks out and if it doesn't it doesn't if it doesn't then it bears questioning right absolutely it bears and exploration you, yeah especially you, if it's your expertise you know if you're running yes. around questioning everything but if it's in your expertise that's why we should all that's why we all pursue our expertise and that's you know, we're talking about, um, you know, writing your paper about getting deep and deep and deep into something or or the tapping and getting right into that. Well, if it's your expertise, you will be able to question it once it comes into your field. And, and I think that's perfectly valid. Uh, and I think it's necessary. Thank you very much. Thanks for answering that. Let's go to some famous birthdays. I have some who are with us, and there were so many who passed away on this date in in history in past years. I have to mention a few of them, but Buffy St. Marie, the Canadian singer, songwriter, and producer, she's alive. She's still alive, Monique. It's okay. She's It's her birthday today. She was born in 1941. I, I'm reading the living ones first. Don't worry. I'll tell you when we have the past ones. Brenda Blessin. Does anybody know who Brenda Blessin is? B-L-E-T-H-Y-N. There's a wonderful detective show. It's on ITV. It's a crime drama. And Vera Stanhope is an almost retired detective who looks like the female version of Columbo. She wears a rumpled raincoat and a hat, and she drives a four-wheel drive car that's full of trash and all kinds of stuff. And she has a unique way of solving murders. And she has a, always has a very handsome sidekick who's with her on the police force. Anyway, Brenda Blethen is an English actress, and she's been playing Vera Vera Stanhope for years. It was one of my favorite shows for a while. These are based on the novels of Anne Cleves, C-L-E-E-V-E-S. And she's now playing uh, Kate and Koji. She's a cafe owner in some desolate seaside town, a little cafe, and it's quite funny. It's not as funny as Vera is good. So I would recommend Vera. Happy birthday, Brenda Bleth. And there you go. B-L-E-T-H-Y-N. Cindy Crawford. Oh my, Cindy Crawford. We're serious here. Model and businesswoman, isn't she though? Happy birthday. Born in 66. Trevor Noah. We all know Trevor Noah. South African comedian, actor, TV host. He's hosting the big award shows these days. 1984, he was born. And the woman everybody's talking about from the halftime show at the Super Bowl, Rihanna. She's 35 today. Now, it was one of the most unusual halftimes I've ever seen because there wasn't a band, there wasn't a guitar player, there wasn't a drummer. It was just her on a platform dropping in and out from the sky with her millions of minions of people in white suits who were men, they were women, they lifted up their shirts. You saw this, you saw, well, they were dressed underneath. But anyway, it was fascinating. And apparently, I missed this part because I was on the phone. She took a makeup break. Betsy, in the middle of the halftime show, and she opened up a compact of her brand of makeup, Fenty, and she 
she either put on lipstick or powdered her face or something in the middle of the halftime show. And they say that is a brilliant stroke of brilliant marketing. Her brand on the scene there. It was the most unusual halftime show. And then we all found out she's pregnant with her second child in in a year. So anyway, but people say, oh, it's all TikTok and uh, Twitter. Oh, why is she patting her belly? Well, she was trying to tell us something. So very, very clever. So happy birthday, Rihanna, Barbadian American singer, songwriter, and actress. Now we get to the ones who are no longer with us. Don't cry, please. These people passed away on February 20th. Walter Winchell, the gossip columnist, the radio news commentator. You must have heard people talk about him all the time. Born in 1897. He passed away in 1972. Dick York, Remember Bewitched, the TV show, Elizabeth Montgomery? He played Darren Stephens, the husband. Yes. Mr. Farag, I'm sorry, Mr. Lamborghini, Italian businessman who founded Lamborghini. His name was Ferruccio Lamborghini. He passed away in 1993. Gene Siskel, you've all heard of Siskel and Ebert, right? The movie critics. Gene Siskel passed away, film critic and journalist, 1999. And this is one of my favorites, Sandra D. She played Gidget, that was the start of the beach movies. And she played Tammy Tell Me True, which was a role Tammy in the original movie. Debbie Reynolds played Tammy. She had a miserably difficult life, Sandra D. Didn't live too long. Very, very wrought with anything. And she married Bobby Darren, one of my favorite singers from that era, very quickly and didn't last long. Anyway, so that's it for the immemorium. Now, birthdays. There's a nine-year-old girl who is a Russian social media star. She goes by the name on YouTube of Like. Nastya, N-A-S-T-Y-A, like Natasha, but mix the letters up. She has kid-friendly vlogging. With, and the reason I'm telling you this, Terry, are you sitting down? You look I'm like sitting it. down. I yes. hope so. She writes toy reviews, challenges, and personal adventures. She's been featured in Forbes in Russia, nine years old. She has 7.6 billion views. E. I pick a social media star on the three major platforms every week. I've never had anybody that much. Then we have Cruz Beckham. Who is the son, of course, of David Beckham and Victoria Beckham? And he's got a whole bunch of kids, siblings. And he was born in, uh, oh, in December 2016, he debuted a song called If Every Day Was Christmas. I feel really sorry for him because he's only got 1.9 million followers. Betsy, 1.9 million. He's 18 years old, but he happens to be a Beckham. So I I think he really needs to catch up. That's not a lot. And then we have a 23-year-old celebrating a birthday. He's on TikTok. His name is Elmo O'Dwyer. He does lip syncing. He only has 3.9 million fans. He posts his point of view, comedic videos, dance routines, and he wears a beanie in his videos. Terry, we've got to get you a beanie. I'm looking forward to your first 3.9 million followers. Terry, you'll keep us... Keep us surprised. On this day in 1960, Jimi Hendrix made his first stage appearance with his band, the Rocking Kings at the National Guard Armory in Seattle. What? And on this day in 1965, the Supremes entered the Billboard Hot 100 at number 80 with, if I do this, do you know the song? Stop the name That's it. That's it. <laughs> Produced by Holland Dozier Holland, the team, the production team at, at Motown. It hit number one a few weeks later on the U.S. charts. The choreography, One Hand on the Hip and Stop, was created by Paul Williams and Melvin Franklin of The Temptations. The choreography was as famous as the song. And just one more thing, Gary Lewis, same day, 1965, Gary Lewis and the Playboys started a two-week run at number one on the U.S. single chart. And does anybody remember what the song was? This, I'm trying to get my hand in here. Here we go. This 
Diamond, this diamond ring, da 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 da. He was the son Diamond of Jerry Lewis, Jerry Lewis's son. And on this day in 1991, Bob Dylan and John Lennon received their Lifetime Achievement Awards at the 33rd Grammys. We have two minutes left, and today is Hoodie Who Day. People, put on your hoodie, go outside at noon. Well, the day's almost over wherever you are, and say Hoodie Who goodbye to winter. Spring is coming, and it's also National Pancake Week, and the pancake was found in the stomach of an ice man whose human remains are estimated at 5,300 years old. Quickly, Terry, website, where can people find you? They can find me at doczac.com, D-O-C-Z-A-C.com, or they can email me if they got any questions ever, info at doczac.com. Thank you very much. Betsy, where can people find you? www.betsyholmberg.com. B-E-T-S-Y-H-O-L-M-B-E-R-G.com. Thank you very much. Monique, where can people find you? MoniqueReport.com. M-O-N-I-Q-U-E-V-E-R-P-O-O-R-T.com. There we go. And you spelled your own, Terry, so I don't have to do yours. So here are my closing words. Life is short. Break the rules. Don't we all? Shouldn't we? Why not? Forgive quickly. Kiss slowly. Trust me, it's the best. Love truly, laugh uncontrollably. Join me in a three-second laugh. You're ready from the belly. Next week, I'm going to start the show with that. And never regret everything that made you, anything that made you smile. And here we go. Work like you don't need the money because nobody really cares. Do what you got to do to make your life happen, right? Dance like no one's watching. When I was teaching disco in high heels on a Formica table in a high school cafeteria in Eugene, Oregon, everybody watched. Trust me, no, I didn't fall. Sing like nobody's listening. La, thank you for singing the song, Monique. I didn't have to. And love like you've never been hurt because we all have. So get over it. Open your heart. It will regenerate. It will regrow. It will open up again. Money talks, chocolate sings. And here's my last line. And I stole this from somebody else. Thank you for turning me on. Radio Red signing off. Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.